All right, welcome back to the Pursuit of the Outdoors podcast. We're here for episode 21, and I finally got a hold of a mate of mine who I've been trying to as they get a hold of it for a podcast interview for almost two years now. His name is Rob Embry. You might know him from Instagram as paleblue.photography. If you don't, I'd highly recommend that you get involved and have a look at his page. Uh, very accomplished photographer, doing a lot of good things in the space, particularly in the outdoors. Um, so without further ado, Rob, finally, welcome to the podcast. How are you going? Very good. Awesome to finally uh, get the chance to do this. So the couple of times I've tried to get you on the podcast, I think I seem to remember one time where you bailed on me to go to St Kilda to take some aerial photography because the sun, I think the sun was doing something, there was a storm coming or anything like that. I think that might have happened. Was it, would that be true? Uh, yeah, I can't remember exactly what was happening, but it was definitely sky related. I can't remember if it was a storm coming across or if it was just looking like it was going to be an incredible sunset, but uh Yes, my apologies. No, but you know what, to be fair, I look back <laughs> and I go, yeah, all right, cool, we're in a good to have a chat. But at the same time, I think that also speaks to your love for photography when, and it also speaks to just photography in general. You only get like a certain window where you might get a really cool sunset or you might get, I've seen some of your stuff with like the lightning storm that you've been up at Burke's Lookout at the Dandenongs yep. and it's coming crashing down. You're like, well, I've got to go and get this because if I don't, I'm going to miss out on doing something. So I think that just speaks yep. to your love of photography. And speaking of which... Where did this all start? Like, like, is this something you've just picked up in like the last five years? Is it something you've had an interest in since you were a kid at the age of four? Like, where did it all happen? What's your origin story, I suppose? Uh, bo- both of those things are actually pretty much correct. Yeah, right. <laughs> so the photography side of things is, it, it's basically something that I've just picked up in the last five years. It'd be pretty much bang on, bang on five years this year, I think. Shit, um, And, uh, but then again, it's, a love of the outdoors yep. and of certain aspects of nature, yep. um, you know, watching storms roll in, yep. you know, sitting there in awe at the amazing colours in the sky when there's an incredible sunset. That's something that I've, I've always had an interest in. Yep. Um, you know, with the storms in, like watching, watching nature docos growing up, with the storms in particular, watching docos, looking at the Bureau of Meteorology calendar on my Nana's wall when yeah. I was a kid, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I suppose... Picking up a camera and learning how to use it to capture capture those scenes was a natural progression, but one that I only managed to get onto in the last five years. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy how it happens because obviously, you know, I've known you for uh, a while now. Obviously, through uh, through Dave, yep. uh, married to your lovely sister. Yeah. Uh, Dave being a really good friend of mine, but um, yeah, just I suppose the things that have happened since I've known you, like you, you've gone from doing the photography, then you've got into the calendar side of things, you know, you've got explore photography, yep. you know, you're going overseas trips and taking people out to, I think, Malaysia, is that? Uh, Cambodia. Cambodia, sorry, yep. 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 So We've got a Bali one coming up Bali, as well. Bali, yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah. it's sort of, even in such a short amount of time, things have gone from just almost zero to 100 very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's always it's, it's always going to be a process of, of, of building things, but um, yeah, it has all happened fairly quickly, I suppose. I yeah. mean, I look at other people that have sort of, they've, they've taken many, many years to, to, um, to, to build things up, but I guess that's just, I mean, I've got that much of an interest in it. But... Yeah. Yeah, just, it's funny how something like that takes a hold of you. Like, I have I, no patience. No, and I, and I get it. Like, even if I look at stuff I'm doing with hiking, 
as I said, I reckon around the time you started really getting into photography was around the time I started getting into hiking. It was about five years ago, in 2014 or, or thereabouts. But once it gets a hold of you, yeah. it's kind of like, all right, how, what else can I do with this? Where can I take it, it? Exactly. It could be something really small as a blog. It could be something really as big as what you're doing with Explore Photography or even going another level again where you're on assignment for Australian Geographic for the rest of your life or something like that. That'd be sweet. Good, <laughs> yeah. So I suppose then that almost talks to, in some respects, the evolution of like photography within you know whether it be a dslr or whether it be you know um the smartphones and then yep. that then leads into social media platforms uh when you started i'm assuming like obviously smartphones have been around for a while but i reckon even in the time correct me wrong but even in the time you've been um being a photographer the obviously the rise of of smartphones and people using them or preferring to use them obviously yep. with convenience versus say DSLR has been massive. So what's been your observations, uh, I suppose on the whole gamut of it all? Um, yeah, well it's, it's in a really interesting place at the moment. Mm. Uh, I suppose, you know, talking about 2019, mm. um, yeah, I mean, we've, it obviously started with film photography. Mm-hmm. Um, it progressed on to, to digital photography. So DSLRs, um, and and with DSLRs, you know, it opened up a opened up a, an entirely new world of not having to to shoot and process things in a dark room and and maybe afterwards realize that you got one setting wrong and the entire roll of film is ruined. You can look at things straight away on a screen. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I think with DSLR photography, that it made it so much easier to become a better photographer because mm-hmm. you can immediately look at. The photos you've taken, you can critique them. Um, you can you can look at how different using different settings have worked in different situations, um, and it also created a much more of an ability for people to be able to uh, to to put things on YouTube and and mm. so forth. Uh, and you can learn so much about photography on YouTube. Yep. Um, and then yeah, smartphones. That's kind of where it's at at the moment. I mean, there's a lot of lot of people, <clears throat> a lot of photographers talking about. Um, how smartphones could eventually kill DSLRs and maybe they're the next progression because the reality is that, that smartphones can do a hell of a lot now. Um, there are, you know, we were, when we were chatting earlier before, the, mm. before we started the, the recorder rolling, I was saying that there are now situations where I know that I will be able to get a better photo using my smartphone. So mm-hmm. I've got a Google Pixel. The yeah. cam- camera on that is amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm in no way associated with Google. I didn't get paid to say that. Um, <laughs> but, but there are, um, yeah, there are many situations now where, where the camera on that is, is so good that I'll, I'll reach for that before, before pulling my DSLR out. Um, and it's, a lot of it's based around lighting conditions as well. Okay. Um, DSLRs struggle to capture um, a, a large dynamic range. So if we're, you know, if we're hiking in the forest, uh, we've got dark trees, there's a bit of sky shining through from above. You want to get the blue sky. You also want to get the detail in the trees. Yep. A smartphone can do that by, by touching the screen um, and, and a DSLR camera can't do that without, um, you know, some DSLRs have a setting where you can merge photos inside the camera, but a lot of them you would have to take what's called a bracketed exposure and okay. you'd need to merge them together on the computer. Yep. So you'd need to expose for the dark parts, yep. expose for the light parts and put them all together. Um, obviously in relation to social media and so forth, mm. uh, a lot of DSLRs now have Wi-Fi and Bluetooth functions so you can transfer your photos to your phone straight away. Yep. But 
on a smartphone, it's it's right there, uh, and you can you can push it out to the world straight away. You know, you can be standing in front of us an amazing storm cloud or on top of a mountain, and you can you can push that out to to your friends and people that follow you on social media yeah. immediately. Um, so yeah, it's it's in an interesting place at the moment with smartphones, and I'm I'm you know there are obviously limitations with smartphones, um, the size of the lenses that you can carry um you know you Mm. can't have you know an ultra an ultra zoom lens on a smartphone just yet um so if you want to take photos of birds or or something like that your smartphone's not going to be able to do as good a job of that as a camera with a nice you know a nice long zoom lens um so they have their limitations definitely um but yeah we're an interesting place and it'll be interesting to see where it goes um particularly in in your field hiking Um, smartphones being as good as they are now is a, is a huge bonus for you hikers because you can immediately reduce a lot of weight that you need to carry. Absolutely. <laughs> well, the two words I've written here is convenience and efficiency. So mm-hmm. I think the two underlying, they're the two underlying themes that basically, I, that's all I could think of when you were explaining about the DSLRs and obviously, you know, why the iPhones or you know, smartphones are, have come to prominence. But at the same time, I suppose playing devil's advocate, yep. can sometimes that convenience and efficiency sometimes be a hindrance or is it, as you just put it, an advantage? Because I look at it like, you know, ideally, ideally you go, well, the iPhone or the smartphones will come in. You know, sometimes, as you explained, that in certain situations or most situations, having that is almost better because you can get a better quality photo but it hasn't necessarily killed off the DSLR. I was having a conversation with someone yesterday about you know rise of technology and messaging and all that sort of stuff, and I use the example of of um, digital news or digital newspaper versus obviously going down to the shop newspaper, the uh, news agency, and buying the newspaper. You would have thought with digital news coming in, it would have completely killed off the newspaper. But still, people still like to go down to the news agency, pay their dollar fifty or two dollars, whatever it is these days get their paper and be able to sit there with their coffee and read it as opposed to have their iPad and sit there and read it and pay their money for the paywall or whatever. So it hasn't necessarily killed it off, but I just I just wonder though, is, is having it being so convenient and so efficient, is that more of a hindrance, do you think, or an advantage? Um, well, I mean, it has its advantages, but as far as having its hindrances go, I mean, you don't necessarily learn anything about photography by just using a smartphone. Mm-hmm. Um, so... As far as learning learning the art of photography, um, yeah, you, you can't you can't really do that as much using a smartphone as yep. what you can with uh, a DSLR, and mm. and and there are there are still many many situations where you just you can't use a smartphone, like taking photos of the Milky Way, for example. Nah. You can't do that with a smartphone, nah. um, and I I would assume that we're still a fair way off being able to do that well with yep. a smartphone um but but yeah learning how to shoot in different lighting situations and learning how manually changing certain settings yourself to achieve a desired result those kind of things in relation to the art of photography you can't you can't learn them by just opening your camera app and and mm. and pushing uh, tapping the screen and yep. taking a photo yep. um there, there are apps now where you can, um, you can tweak a lot of manual settings um, on your smartphone, yep. but certainly not on the level that you can with a, a, a DSLR. Yep. So, I would, I would say that, given where smartphones are at at the moment in the the, the quality of images that you can take, mm. I'd say that they're adding to it. Um, whether or not there will ever be a time where they will com- 
completely render DSLRs obsolete. Mm. I think we're still a still a fair way yeah. off that. Um, at the moment, with where it sits, I'm I'm happy that if there's a situation that I won't be able to capture with my DSLR mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always going to be a way to do it. It just might not necessarily be as fast as using a smartphone. I'm happy that I've got that additional tool in my in my kit yep. to be able to do that. Yeah, I'm yeah. Only, I must admit, when I'm out hiking now, like I was out yesterday, I took um, my DSLR and my iPhone, and I think I used my iPhone more than I did my DSLR, but I thought... I would, I, but there were certain instances where I used both just to see yep. what the difference might be. And, and, what, and, I, and I've taken some really... Good photos with the iPhone. I was out at the Grampians the other week and took a really good photo at sunset at, at from Broker um, Broker Lookout. Yep. Um, but I used my DSLR as well, and the picture I got with the iPhone was, was slightly better. But also, I also look at the point of view is, if you're a hiker, I think more often not, unless you're going for a specific reason, you're going to go out hiking. And that's going to be your priority, right? Yep. So that's why I think the iPhones are a bit... And sorry, I keep saying iPhones because I've got one. But <laughs> smart. Yeah. And no way am I being voted yeah. by Apple. Yeah, right. But yeah, yeah. Empire Strikes Back. Cop that, John. Um, but I think... So having a, um, a smartphone on you is obviously a little bit more convenient because you're there to go do, you know, a nine-kilometer loop of um, yep. the Pinnacle Circuit. But you still want to be able to get that reasonably good photo all along the way would be through like the silent street section or up at the top or whatever the case may be yeah. but I suppose so that's why I feel like the the, the, the um, smartphones cater more for hikers and whatnot as opposed to maybe the flip side of that is yes you might be going for a hike but you're trying to go get that perfect shot from say Camel's Hump and Mount Macedon or yep. Birds Look Out at the Dandenongs yep. all that sort of stuff so I think so it's about it's about purpose is essentially what yeah, you're yeah, saying, yes, yeah. and and yeah, that for I mean that is yeah that is that is a massive thing. What yeah. what what's what is your purpose? Is your purpose to go on a to go on a hike mm. and and take good photos that that document the activity you've been doing, that document the hike that you've done? Do you want to go and take photos and video so that you you can look back on that and say this is the hike that I did, yeah. or um, is, is there a specific spot somewhere on that hike that you want to be at at a specific time like do you want to be at this specific point for sunset yep. um, and do you want to do something specific with that sunset do you want to do a longer exposure so you get the nice streaky clouds are you somewhere coastal and do you want to do you want to do a long exposure exposure so you've got the nice milky water like nice smooth water um, so yeah you, I, I suppose and that's an important thing with any type of photography that you're doing as well thinking about what what is the purpose yep. of it? Um, so yeah, if to take certain types of photos, if your per if your purpose is to take that certain type of photo, yep. then you're going to be taking your your DSLR. And I mean that that goes down to even um, things like your choice of lenses that you bring mm. along with you, which I assume will will, will touch on at some Absolutely. point as well. But yeah. choosing what kind of gear that you're going to take with you in order to achieve that desired result. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of using that word purpose. Obviously, in the space, whether it be hiking or camping or just outdoors in general and photography, they go hand in hand. Yep. And then that obviously leads into social media. So what's the purpose while we go out and we hike or we take photos as well? So obviously, there's a, there's a very polarizing, ongoing discussion around the use of social media and the outdoors. And then, you know, as you've sort of briefly touched on, 
going to a certain place to just get a certain photo, yeah. which then leads into conversations around um, uh, conservation, yep. um, uh, probably, what's the word you'd call, uh, saturation of people visiting a certain spot. 100%. And overrun. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I've got my thoughts on it. I've, I've you know, shared them plenty of times with blogs and, and get involved in other people's discussions. But what's your opinion on social media and the outdoors? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, again, <laughs> social media is in a, in a pretty interesting place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read an article the other day, um, actually, uh, I think it was on the F-Stoppers uh, website, which is a, a great website for photography-related blogs and things like cool. that, about how there's starting to be a little bit of pullback now on, on I guess, what the traditional social media looks are. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, social media, it's, it's such a massive one because, I mean, I've... Personally, I've I've ridden the roller coaster of, of social media. Um, it started off with uh, specifically Facebook and Instagram. Let's talk about we'll probably yeah. focus a bit more on Instagram, but um, they're places where 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 people like me who've just started to pick up a camera. Let's talk five, four or five years ago. Just started to pick up a camera, and that is an immediate avenue where I can push the photos that I'm taking out to a much wider audience. Yep. Um, and so to, to be able to do that, I mean, that's, that's, that's fantastic to Scale. immediately have a much wider audience because of social media and to be able to use, you know, hashtags and tagging other, mm-hmm. other, you know, like Tourism Victoria or Tourism Australia and things like that. You know, I mean, that's, that's resulted in me having some of my photos shared to an even wider audience. So to be able to connect to a, a large audience is, is something that, you know, I mean, I don't know what I would where I would be with my photography without it because getting your, your photos noticed by a wider, wider audience and having more people appreciate your work that motivates you to get out there and do it more. Mm -hmm. And then that turns around and you start seeing other things on social media and you're like, okay, well, why, why are people, why are people loving this instead of loving what I do? Mm -hmm. And why is the fact that, my photo only got 50 likes as opposed to 300 likes. Why, why is that all of a sudden affecting my, my mental state and my happiness yeah. and my willingness to go out and shoot? Yep. Um, and, and so many photographers that I know, myself included, have, have gotten themselves into such a massive rut mm-hmm. with photography um, just purely based on the fact that they don't think what they're doing is good enough and what they're basing that on is how social media is reacting to their photos. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, let's, let's talk about Instagram. You can, you can buy your way to being an Instagram superstar. Mm-hmm. You can pay robots to comment on other people's posts, to, yep. to follow them so that they follow you back and then to unfollow them so that you don't have a million people that you're following and you have more people that are following yeah, yeah. you. Like it's, it's rife and the whole, the rise of the influencer as mm-hmm. a, as a career and people buying their way to doing that. Mm. For I guess people that are that are interest that, that use social media through their love of photography, um, rather than through their love of, of being being popular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's I think it's taken its toll on a lot of those people. Well, it comes um, back to purpose, doesn't it? Yeah, that's exactly right. So I mean I guess for? so yeah. so as far as riding the roller coaster of it is is concerned, um, yeah, I mean you, you have to go you essentially, if you get in one of those situations where it's starting to, um, starting to get to you, you've, 
you know, you've got to, you've got to go back to what your purpose is for doing it. And my original purpose for going out and taking photos was because I, I, I grew up loving seeing those things and I wanted to try and communicate seeing like how I see those things and how I love seeing those things to other people. Um, and that's, that is the, that is the purpose that I started off with. It wasn't to, to, to get a whole bunch of likes on social media. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think you, you need to go back to what that original purpose is. Um, and as far as on a, yeah, I mean, again, talking about purpose, you know, you might get someone that, puts it out there on social media that they love hiking where really what they want to do is they want to get up to this specific viewpoint that they have seen on social media so that they can take a photo um they can get someone to take a photo of them in their nice wide-brimmed hat and their flowy dress you know blowing in the wind as they (laughs) overlook this this mystical valley you know that kind of stuff um and it's those kind of shots where there has been a little bit more um and, and and people i guess orchestrating scenes for a certain for a certain effect they want to get on social Curated. media. Yeah, so there's been a lot of blowback about that recently where people are and and you know things just in life things do come around and they they go full circle and mm-hmm. I think that is actually probably a positive thing for people like me that that just want to communicate what things look like out there. Um it's coming back to people appreciating seeing more real things on social media, yep. I think. Um you know, not not this this magical sunset scene, uh, where where in reality the photographer has has put another sky in that photo that they didn't see when they were right? there. Yeah, there's a Photoshop brush that you can use to put birds into the picture and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. And don't get me wrong, digital artwork like it's there are hugely talented digital artists out there, yeah. but I think a lot of what social media has brought to the table is people people creating digital artworks to fake a scene but then try and pass it off as, as something that they yeah, really I mean, saw. And that's not my purpose. I mean, my purpose is if, yeah. I, if I want to go out and stand in front of a thunderstorm and risk getting struck by lightning, it's because I want to show people how awesome it is to be there and to see that. I want people to appreciate that the same way that I do. If I go and I jump in Photoshop and I put a lightning strike in my image that wasn't necessarily there, like... I kind of feel like I'm cheating myself. <laughs> mm, yeah. But like, uh, yeah, again, purpose, but that's a bit of a, a conscience, conscious as well. Like, you know, you, you've got, from what I can see, I don't think I've seen any photo of you where you're standing over looking at a valley and you've put stuff in, or maybe you have, I don't, I don't know. I could never tell. I didn't even know that stuff existed until a couple of months ago when we started talking about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously the likes and all that sort of stuff, I get it. I can straight away pick who've got the bullshit accounts and who don't. Oh, yeah, definitely. you've got like 10,000 followers, right? But then you've got like 60 likes per post, right? As, yeah. a, as someone who's on both sides of the, the coin where I'm also you know, a content creator and whatnot and brands have reached out to me and given me stuff and you know put it on social media and all that. But on the other side as well with the Brubeck side of things where I'm a yeah. brand and I'm trying to get involved with some of these people to put my gear on and then take photos. Yeah. I can tell straight away if you've got a bullshit account or not because if you've got 10,000 followers and I go, wow, that looks amazing and I've got empathy for those brands who don't actually understand. They look at 10,000 followers, they go, great, here's all my gear, put it yeah. out. Yeah. But they don't actually have an engaged community. Yep. right? exactly. So the flip side of that is then you've got this basically um, convoluted, exaggerate, over-exaggerated over um, and per- someone who's actually not in it for the right 
thing. Like, I, yeah. I, and I'm, I'm assuming you'd be the same. Like, whether you want to work with other photographers who are in, in it for, you know, creating a really nice photo, as you were saying, going out and chasing storms or, you know, there's a, a storm happening over the eastern suburbs, so you're out of Burke's Lookout and getting a great photo there. All the stuff that you're doing in America, which I think is absolutely mental. But anyway, <laughs> chasing storms, like literally, like, what's that movie, Twister? Yeah. You know, stuff like that. That's your purpose, and that's why you do it, and you don't do it for the flight. Like you said, like the flowing dresses, and I'm, but I'm sure you look great in the dress, just quietly. Uh, uh, well, I mean, it's, I, yeah, maybe well, that's what you should do. Let's not go there. Yeah, so, <laughs> no, I'm not gonna. Um, but yeah, yeah. So that that I suppose what I'm getting at is you can always sort of tell, but it's the one. So their purpose is to do that with the photography is almost second, as opposed to what you're doing is you're take, trying to take a really nice photo, show people the showcase the outdoors. Yeah. And almost showcase the beauty of photography and what can be achieved through creating that really nice photo, doing a bit of post-editing stuff, not putting in ducks and birds and eagles and bloody dragons, maybe, I don't know, um, to, to create a really nice photo. So yeah. I suppose that then leads me into my next question. What, I mean, obviously getting that perfect photo is all subjective, but what do you think makes a really good photo? Like, what do you have to do? You know, what's the setup? Like, run me through that. Um, well, I mean, yeah, first of all, think of, think of the purpose that you're going there for. What kind of a photo do you, do you want to take? And and that's going to influence the way that, the way that you go about it, the time, the time that you're there, Mm -hmm. um, all that kind of stuff. So, um, I mean, I guess, I guess, yeah, if you, if you know what your purpose is, so I'll, I'll use the, use the example of taking a long exposure shot, Mm. um, again, um, if you know that you want to get a shot with a nice, you know, nice smooth water, things like that. Then you're going to learn how to take a long exposure photo. You're going to go and um, get the gear that you need to take a long exposure photo. So choosing your gear, I suppose, is is a is an important one to yep. tie that back in. Um, if I want to go, if I want to go hiking and get some some nice photos of, of you know gang gang cockatoos or lyrebirds or something like that, I'm going to choose my gear. I'm going to take a long lens. I'm going to take take something with a a fast aperture because I know the situation is going to be dark in there. I need a fast lens that's going to bring more light in mm-hmm. where I'm going to be able to shoot at a faster shutter speed because birds move yeah. <laughs> and you want to be able to freeze. You want to be able to freeze their movement. Um, if I'm going to, if I'm going storm chasing, the gear that I'm going to need to take, I'm, I'm going to need to take wide angle lenses so that I can, I can capture the, you know, the enormity of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to need to take, if I want to, start doing maybe time-lapse of a storm. So time-lapse, time, time lapse for I guess, in layman's terms, mm-hmm. it's when you take a whole bunch of still images and, you know, you, you shoot it every two seconds, three seconds, whatever you choose the interval to be, and you put them together to make a movie. Yeah, nice. And it's, it's like a video, but it's, but it's different. Yeah. It's kind of like a sped-up video, and yep. it looks fantastic with storms, and I do a lot of that. So if I'm going to do that, then I'm going to need to take a tripod. If I'm going to be shooting in any situation where it's it's going to be uh, dark or semi-dark, if I'm going to be shooting from daytime through sunset into dark, I'm going to need to take a tripod. Yeah. Um, because there are going to be situations where uh, the camera is going to need to shoot at a shutter speed that's slower than what you can handhold. Yeah. Basically. Okay. Yeah. Did that answer the question? Um, no, <laughs> I kind of feel like we got off track. No, what was the original no. question again? Like, what, what makes up like a, uh, Oh, okay, yeah. What makes up a good photo? Okay, yeah. I knew there was something no, I was missing. But you touched on it. Because I think you, you've worked like the gear in your, in your settings. But like, right, okay. so it comes to taking the photo, what am I having to do? Just say, so I do have a DSLR. Yep. We'll, we'll touch on both. DSLR yep. and iPhone, or smartphones. 
Run me through DSLRs first. Okay. First of all, even before I do that, yeah. composition. Right. Composition is the number one thing. So okay. with the, the even the photography basic the basic photography skills workshops that that um we run through explore photography. Mm-hmm. Um the first thing that I say to anybody is is focus on your composition. Right. Um so when I talk about composition, I'm talking about the different elements that are within your field of view or within your frame that you're going to be shooting. And there are a number of different composition techniques that you can use. Um, uh, I'm sure most people would have seen uh, when you take a photo on your phone, you can have the grid lines on there. Yep. So those grid lines are are generally, um, I know some phones have the option to, uh, there are a few different types of grid lines that you have, but the, the, the most straightforward one that probably helped me with my photography more than anything else is just the rule of thirds. So it splits the, splits the, the frame into nine parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the rule of thirds, I suppose the, the most simple one in relation to landscape photography is your horizon line. Okay. So where's your horizon line? You want to have the horizon line either on the bottom third line or on the top third line okay. going horizontally across. Yep. Um, if you've got, something in the foreground and foreground interest is another composition technique. So rather than just taking a photo of the landscapes there, is, is there a nice bush or a flowering plant or something like that in the foreground that you can use? So you maybe you want to have that on one of the vertical third lines. Yep. Um, there are a heap of other, you know, compositional techniques. Leading lines is another one that I use a lot of. Um, so if, for example, if, if you, you know, you can shoot, along a road, stand in the middle of the road, have a vanishing point with that road going into the distance or um, shooting a, shooting along a, a jetty or a pier or something like that where you've got it going into the distance. So leading lines, and they don't have to be straight lines, they can be curved lines, but what a leading line is is basically something that is leading the viewer's eye into a certain part of the image. Right. So composition is all about is all about where does where does the viewer's eye go in that image? Um, yeah, so I mean that that's the first thing that I tell everybody: focus on your composition, composition. Um, because you can learn the settings. Mm-hmm. If you nail composition first up, then you're going to be working with images that you actually enjoy looking at, and it's going to make you more motivated to learn more about the settings. So I even say to people: don't worry about any of the manual modes on a DSLR for the to begin with. Chuck it on auto. Focus on your composition, get that right. Then you're looking at photos that you actually enjoy looking at. And you say, okay, cool. How did, how did the camera take that photo on auto? So you can actually bring up what settings the camera chose if you're using auto. So you can see what shutter speed it chose for that lighting, that, that lighting situation. Yep. You can see what aperture it chose. Um, and I suppose aperture and shutter speed are your two basic settings. Yep. There's another one called ISO, which... ISO is a digital camera thing, um, and it basically, it, I suppose in layman's terms, it, it allows you to add more detail into an image in low light, but it also increases the noise in the image, so okay. a little, it makes it very pixely. Um, so yeah, I suppose the first thing that I'd, I'd, I'd look at is, is composition. Yep. Um, first, yeah. yep then, look at, then look at focus, so get your focus right. Yeah. Um, most cameras these days and most lenses will have the autofocus option and you can change the point that you want to focus on. Yep. 
there's a way to do that in the camera. Um, there are different focus modes on a lot of cameras, mm. but I usually use the, the single point focus for landscape photography um, anyway, and I'll choose the point that I want to focus on. So get the focus right, get the composition right, and then you can play with the settings all you want. Yeah. <clears throat> if you've got that, you can even you can even then try a whole bunch of different things, and you can try changing the focus as well. Like, you know, if you want everything in focus, you use a technique to do that. If you want something in the foreground in focus but everything else blurred, there's a technique that you can use to do that. Yep. Um, so yeah, but first and foremost, I'd I'd say I'd say comp- getting your composition right is 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 the main thing. Yeah. And so. You mentioned about um, aperture and shutter speed. Like for those people who might be listening who are just getting into photography, yep. they've probably heard of that, yep. but don't really understand how it all fits into place with you know creating your photo. Run me through those things. Like what do they mean? Okay, shutter speed is is yeah. Shutter speed is is how long um, the shutter of the camera stays open yep. to take the image. Okay. So. Um, if you're shooting on a, if you want to shoot a moving target, mm-hmm. um, you use a very fast shutter speed, yep. and that will that will freeze the motion. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, for a lot of times in landscape photography, you want to use a much slower shutter speed. Um, in dark situations, you need to use a slower shutter speed because otherwise the camera can't get as much light into it as it needs. Yep. So all of these things, shutter speed, aperture, ISO, they're they're all relating to light. Okay. Um, and it's often called the exposure pyramid. That's it's all relating to light and exposure. The camera getting enough light for it to to be able to produce an image that you can actually look at. Yeah. Um, yeah so basics on shutter speed. Fast shutter speed is for fast moving things. Yep. If you want to freeze them, if you want to get a little bit of blur in there, then you start slowing the shutter speed down. Yeah, so you see some of those photos where they'll set up on, say, like a corner, say, like the Black Spur, for example. Yep. And your car's flying along there as they yep. do in motorbikes. But then you want that real streak effect of their light, yep. so you do a slower your shutter light speed. trails? Yep. yep. You, need a, you need a slower shutter speed. Yep. So I guess with those light trails on the, you know, using the Black Spur example, and I know exactly the corner on the Black yep. Spur road that you're talking about. Yep. Such a good corner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's one of the places that you can stand there off the road and That's not right. be a hazard to passing traffic as well, yep. which is good. <laughs> That's another thing I suppose that we didn't talk about in relation to social media, people putting themselves in dangerous situations to get those photos. Yeah, so I suppose if you want to get a light trail going through there, then you need to think of that in terms of how long does the camera need for that car to go all the way through your composition. If you want the light trail going all the way through, you need to say, okay, it's gonna take 1.5 seconds for that car to do that, or it's gonna take five seconds for that car to do that, and you would then you would then think, okay, well that's how long I need my shutter to be open for. How can I tweak the other settings on my camera so that my shutter can stay open for that amount of time mm. and still get a well-exposed image. So one of the things that you would adjust on that is aperture. Right. So aperture is basically, um, I suppose it's it, it, visually, it's what's on your lens and it kind of looks like a, like a bladed fan going around. Yep. Um, and how it, aperture is how open or closed that is. So, um, the lower the aperture number, mm-hmm. the wider those blades are open. So the more light gets into your camera. Right. The higher the aperture value, 
the narrower, the more closed those blades are, the narrower, narrower your aperture is and the less light gets into the camera. So if you, if you, wanna, if you wanna shoot at a fast shutter speed, you, you want as wide an aperture as you can. So yeah. people doing portrait photography, you know, shooting weddings, things like that, the best lenses that they can shoot with are lenses with a wide open aperture, so f2.8, f1.8, things like that. Aperture also has another another function, which is um, in relation to the depth of field. Yes. Um, so the higher the aperture value, the more things in the image are going to be in focus. Yep. So again, for portraiture, they want a wide open aperture. So let's say f2.8, f1.8. The object they're focusing on is perfectly sharp yep. and in focus, everything else behind is, is blurred. So... Aperture f- serves two functions in that aspect. Um, it's it's yeah it's the depth of field uh, and your focus, um, and also the speed at which you can shoot. So to use that black spur example, yep. um, if if you want to, let's just say you want your your shutter to be open for three seconds to get that light trail going through there. So you would need to you'd need to put your you'd need to get your aperture as narrow as possible. Mm-hmm. So put it up at you know, F30 or something like that. And lenses are restricted with with the range that they can go to. So that's another aspect that you need to think about when choosing a lens. Right. If at that highest aperture value, um, the narrowest aperture value, you you still can't get three seconds out of it because it it overexposes it. It's still letting too much light in. Then you need to start thinking about using something else, which is something like a neutral density filter, which is... Basically, a filter that you can put on the front of your lens. Yeah. Um, you can get screw-on ones or you can get square ones that basically sit on a holder on your lens. Yep. Um, and basically, it's like a tinted window for your yeah, lens. Right. Um, and you can get different levels of darkness for it. So that's, that's, that's how... compensating for it. It's basically, it's putting something dark on the front of the lens, yep. which, which means that less light gets through. Right. So if you want to take a long exposure shot during, during the daytime... Yep. You're gonna to need to, to use a neutral density filter or so, an ND filter. That so you that would be why most people, when they're taking again, referencing black spur and yep. know, light streaks, most of them are probably like just after um, after sunset at night. Yeah, well, I mean, it, on a dull day, it can get pretty dark in there. I mean, and not not to the your eye adjusts, yeah. but but a DSLR doesn't adjust the same way your eye does. There's yep. been plenty of times. The other thing, obviously, in relation to that, if you're gonna be shooting at longer shutter speeds. You're gonna to need to have your camera on a tripod, correct? Because yeah. you can't handhold it, yeah. Um, and that's important as well. But yeah, I've been in there during the day on a on a dull day mm. where, um, where without changing some of the other settings to try and bring more light in, um, just shooting what I would say would be a normal setting that I'd shoot in there. You can't even shoot handheld, yeah. Because the camera. So if I'm shooting on. There, there's a mode called aperture priority on the camera, which I choose the aperture. Yep. So if I choose the aperture and I've got it on the widest aperture setting, so the aperture is letting as much light in as possible, I'm letting the camera choose what the shutter speed is based on the available light. Um, there have definitely been times in there where I've had the aperture wide open and it still chose a shutter speed that was too long to handhold. Mm. And anything, I, I generally sort of use one fiftieth of a second as yep. as a as a benchmark for how long you can handhold something without the risk of blurring. Yeah, too much blur. I, I don't know. Yeah. I suppose that that filters into you see a lot of those shots where it's like the waterfall. Yep. And I muck around with those when we go up to Mount Beauty, 
because you know a couple of waterfalls there and Rollison's Falls. Yep. And um, I think I've managed to get it more often not where I get the waterfall is actually that sort of misty streaky thing, but the yep. background where the actual like the rocks around it are, are crisp. Yep. And then the but the waterfall's got that real streaky look to it, particularly up close. So yep. I'm I think I'm pretty sure I've done that would be a high aperture. Would that be correct? Or would it be a low? High aperture High, value. Yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So to capture that real sort of streaky look, but yeah. just keep everything else sort of crisp. All right. Well, that kind of, so that's, that basically covers a lot of, and I know you can do that, I was saying before with the autofocus and, and whatnot, or just a you know, particular kind of focus wherever you want to be. I know obviously with your grids on your iPhone, coming yep. back to, if you don't have a DSLR, all right, what can I do on an iPhone? Obviously with your grids, you can obviously choose those um, autofocus or what do they call it? It's not autofocus, is it? Oh no, it is. Because then yeah, you when, you when you touch, touch the screen, the screen yep. and it focuses on one thing. Yep. So that's something that and, that... and that also, it's not even just focus with phones with that. Yeah. That's all, also the way the light meter on your phone camera operates yep. as well. So if you've got a, an area that's, an area within your frame that's dark and an area that's light, mm. if you touch the dark area, the light sensor on your phone will adjust its, the exposure that it's going to use based on that that area rather than the other one. And then you've got the little meter to the side where you can, even if it's real dark, you can brighten it up a little bit. Yep. And just move your yep. Yeah, yeah. So you can do all that stuff in a DSLR as well. It's yep. called, you know, it's in co- called exposure compensation yep. in a DSLR. Yep. It's obviously very much simplified on a phone. Yep. But that's basically what it's doing. You're saying, I want to use this as, as the, the point of reference for focus and for light. And if the result that your camera is giving you on the screen right then is too light or too dark, then you've got the option to brighten or darken. Yeah, yeah. unreal. So yeah. that's kind of, I suppose, the uh, what was it, the science behind taking photos and that sort of stuff. But in terms of what you've been up to, yep. um, like you know, opportunities you've had over over the years, in the last five years, you know, obviously you've got your explore photography sort of stuff. Like run yep. us through what you've been up to and you know, the opportunities you've had, and you know where where this is all maybe heading for you. Um, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, there's been, there's been obvious, I mean, having your photo shared around by, um, in various places, mm. uh, that's obviously been, I guess, a, a highlight. Um, I mentioned at the very start, one of the things that, um, that got me into, got me into, you know, my love of, of skies and, and wanting to pick up a camera was looking at, you know, the Bureau of Meteorology calendars mm. on my Nana's wall and, yeah. um, it was only a year into having picked up a camera and I had one of my photos go on the, the be selected to be an image in the Bureau of Meteorology calendar. Crazy, man. So that was like, that was a really, yeah. that was like a really cool full circle thing. Yeah. And, and there are probably a lot of, a lot of other accolades, like there are awards that you can submit your photos to and things like that. Yeah. To me, that was something that was really, really cool. Yeah. Um, and it Good was yeah. when, it was only when I just picked up a camera um, that, that my my nana, who I was referring to, he started to get quite ill and mm. and she ended up, um, she was, yeah, she was fine enough to, to really appreciate the photography that I was taking and she was so excited that I was into it. Mm. And it was, it was just after she had died that, mm. um, that the image got selected for the Bureau of Meteorology calendar. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, it was a really nice full circle thing yeah. for that. Um, yeah, I mean, I've 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 entered a few different awards. Yeah. Um, I don't, I tend not to enter awards that much. Maybe it's something that I'll do a little bit more of. Yeah. Um, a lot of the awards that are out there, it's just it's my own personal opinion that a lot of them are 
somewhat corrupt in the way that they're judged. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, it's <clears throat> a lot of them. It's kind of like it's it's the boys' club mentality, and the people judging them, they're judging images of other photographers that they have a biased opinion towards. Or they're like their mates or they're doing yeah, work with. Yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Or even on the opposite scale, people that they don't like. And, you you know, you might some. I mean, I'm sure there are other photographers out there that, that don't like me for yeah. for whatever reason. And if one of them's... And I might even not even know that they dislike yeah. me, but if I submit an image and, and they're a judge... Um, and again, with the social media world, they can... For these competitions, they can say it's an anonymous, anonymous as they want to. Yeah. The reality is that we're all in this same space and there are a bunch of other photographers. Like, they would have most likely seen that image out there. So you can say that it's anonymous judging, but it's probably not. And right. I kind of feel like a lot of these competitions have a level of bias in the judging. Um, the other side of the competitions is that a lot of them you, you pay to enter, which I don't necessarily like as much. I understand that um, for some of them, there's a need for them to, for people to pay to enter so that they can have better prizes on offer and things yeah, like that. Yeah. But for some of them, some of them might just feel like it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a rot. <laughs> yeah. um, so as far as, no. yeah, we, I, I might start entering some of them. I might not. I'm not sure. I think the main goal for me honestly is just to just to experience as many as many places that are on my list of places I want to go and scenes that I want to see as as possible um the the workshop and the tour stuff I'd love to to be doing a lot more of that um with photography it's it's such a it's such a hard juggle with having a full-time job as well and I obviously photography is not what I do full-time um I, I do digital marketing uh, for my full-time job, so it's somewhat related to photography, which is great. Absolutely. But uh, for a lot of people, taking that, that leap into doing photography as a full-time thing is, is something that's very, very difficult to consider, uh, having the security of a full-time income versus you know, knowing that you're going to need to get, a need to get enough ph- photography work um, to get you by, um, there's also, I guess, the risk a lot of people think about of of it becoming something that that you need to do rather than something that you do because you love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's I suppose, yeah, that, that's the hard thing. It's like, well, I, I like the security of having uh, you know regular income, and everyone does. Obviously, we've yeah. got liver, we've got you know bills to pay, mouths to feed, but it sort of comes down to how far do you want to really take this? Are you happy yeah. just doing like what you're doing where you've got a full-time job and, you know, you've got enough sort of pull to go away for like, you know, 10 days here, 10 days there. Obviously, yeah. you know, your tours with Explore Photography, that allows you to do that yep. and go to some pretty cool places. And that might be, you know, that's that was going to be my next question. Like how far is, is going for you? Where do you see it going or whatever? So you might just cap it at that and that's all it is. And that gives you, that sort of feeds your interest and feeds your love and your passion yeah. and whatnot. But does it then? But the flip side is, taking that leap, even though it's very scary, if it pays off, like you could you could be doing that for the rest of your life. And there's a lot of what ifs there, and you've got to I suppose have that confidence. Can you then? Do you? Well, the question to you: Do you have that, that confidence to be able to go out and sell your services and sell your your work? And you know you've done your exhibitions around the corner at the uh, the public brewery, yep. getting some brand awareness around that. You've obviously had your stuff featured, as you said, in um, the Bureau of Meteorology. I'm pretty sure you've ever had your stuff featured on like the Weather, uh, Channel 10 News. Yeah, there's been a couple that have been yeah, a couple of well, there. Yeah. So, but do you have that confidence in yourself to go and sell your services mm. to make this a full-time gig? 
It's a funny thing because I mean my 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 nine to five job is is in digital marketing, so <laughs> I I definitely I've I've got the uh, the skills and the ability to be able to to market, and I yep. understand the marketing world. Mm. But when you think about marketing yourself, all of a sudden it's it's so much more difficult a proposition. It's mm. kind of one of those things like where you can provide the the most sound advice to other people, mm. but you can't take the advice yourself. So I've always struggled with, with doing that with, with my own work. Um, and that's, that's, I suppose, one of the things that I've found um, really good hooking up with, uh, with Maurice and, and Anna to run the Explore Photography thing because it's not, it's not just me. Um, and I don't, I don't feel like I'm, I'm putting you know as much of a hard sell of of something that's personal to me out there mm-hmm. um so yeah yeah so i think the the ex- explore photography running the photography tours um and and workshops that's something that that i'd like to to ramp up and do a lot more of mm-hmm. um and i think there's definitely a good a good future in that i enjoy teaching people about photography yep. with the tours i enjoy going to those places Absolutely. so if there's going to be a way for me to be able to go and see those places and and not have to to pay my own money to do it, yeah. I I don't mind if I bring other people with me yeah. and I and I and and I love doing that as well. I mean, that's even extension of what I said earlier in wanting in through my photography, wanting other people to appreciate these scenes and appreciate these places. That's exactly what I'm doing with Explore Photography. Yeah. I get to to take people along with me to these places and 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 hopefully they can you know they can learn that way why i love why i love it so much yeah so i think yeah hopefully there's there's a lot a lot more that we can do with that um to to create more workshops more tours it's a catch 22 with having a full time job mm-hmm. um you know some some days some weeks you you finish doing that job and and um you you just want to relax mm-hmm. so sometimes photography is a release that allows you to relax yeah. um but I suppose the catch twenty two is finding the time to 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 do the the back of house admin to get explore photography to a point mm. that we want it to be at. Yeah. Um, finding the time to do that outside of working nine to five, yeah, it's sometimes pretty tough. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so obviously you've touched on a little bit about explore photography there. Run us through the history of that, what it is, how you came across it, uh, the people involved, um, what what's the offering there, like the whole gamut. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, I I had been running um, my own workshops, mm-hmm. um, and actually, with my previous nine to five job, I ended up going on a conference over to CM Reap in Cambodia, yeah. um, and I I checked myself in on Facebook at the airport mm. going over there, um, and so I I booked a few days to stay after the conference was finished just to do my own thing and explore and take photos, yeah. um, and uh, another guy that I just met a couple of times out shooting randomly, like shooting, out shooting the Milky Way yep. on Phillip Island or something like that. I uh, met him a couple of times and we were friends on Facebook. He commented on my post saying, oh, I'm not actually going over to CM Reap as well. When are you going to be there? So I got chatting to him about that. And the reason he was going over there was to do more groundwork for this photography tour that he was planning on setting up over there. Um, he'd been to CM Reap a number of times. Um, and so, yeah, I, I immediately, once I finished my conference thing, I had a, a tour guide to take me around to all the photography spots nice. around there. And so while we were doing that, we got chatting about, you know, the semantics of running a workshop and all of that kind of stuff. And at the end of it, he basically said, well, I, I think you need to be a part of this now as well. And 
that's and so that's explore photography that's where it started and crazy from all from of that so, on Facebook. yeah that's right um and so we've we've done we've done three tours to Siem Reap Cambodia now yep um and they've they've all been really successful and they they're getting even better every every time um and there are other other places that we're sort of building building up tour itineraries too yep. um the tours are more focused on getting people in the right place at the right times um, there's there's less of a uh, less of a workshop aspect and more of a tour aspect yeah, to them. Cool. I mean, they've obviously you know we we run the tours with two two photographers there, whether it's me and Maurice or Maurice and Anna or or, or Anna and I. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's obviously there's photographers there available to give people tips and so forth. Yep. Um, uh, but the focus with the tours is is on it being a tour and and getting you in the right situations. Um, and that's cool places around the world too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and that's why we we run the workshops as well. So yeah. the the workshops that are more locally based, yep. they're about the teaching aspects yep. more so than anything else. Um, but yeah, there's a Lord Howe Island tour um, yeah. that I'm planning on putting together. That's it's a place that I've been to mm-hmm. a number of times. It's a very unique part of the world. Um, running a photography tour there would be absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to have that on the uh, on the agenda. Um, we've got a Bali one uh, that we're putting the finishing touches of. Amazing. Um, and it's not going to be seeing the inside of a dirty bar in Semenyak and drinking bintang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But but there man like Bali there are so many amazing places on yeah. that that island yeah. um and in, again Indonesia the Komodo Islands is a place that I'd I'd love to take a tour to um it's just organising the semantics to make sure that um that it's going to be a good tour experience for the guests and trying to iron out all of the variables because there are obviously so many variables with mm. with a tour um I would actually like to do a storm chasing tour over in the States as well. Um, That's, yeah, that's going to end. I mean, I'm obviously going over there for close to a month um, quite shortly, and that'll be the third year in a row that I've gone over chasing storms in Tornado Alley. Mm. I'd love to be able to do it, but the reality is there are a lot of people over there um, underneath those storms, and uh, I I certainly, I don't want to go over there underdone as far as knowledge goes because... Mm. Chasing storms here in Australia, in Victoria, mm. like if I chase a storm, you know, just outside of Melbourne, if if something, if I get myself in, in the wrong place, I can just sit in the car and wait it out and, you know, the car might get hit with, you know, a little bit of hail or something like that. You make the wrong call over there uh, under those storms and, and you can wind up dead. So... Yeah, if if I go and <clears throat> if I do organise a storm chasing tour over there, um, I want to have people that are local from over there and are experienced with yeah. chasing those storms because they are a completely different beast. <laughs> so would you, would you not just sort of thinking from a, a product point of view? And you're absolutely right. Like you're better off engaging someone over there. Is that what you would do? You'd find maybe yeah. partner up with a local company. Absolutely. Go, yeah, we, we, we can bring you the numbers, but you've got, you've got the knowledge and the safety aspect, obviously, because as you said, like absolutely. getting one storm over there, you basically yep. wind up dead. Yeah, I mean, there's the company that I went out with um, the first year. I went over there, Extreme Tornado Tours. Mm. Um, they're they're fantastic, and I have I have mentioned to them um, about potentially doing a photography based tour, um, and that that would would be a little bit more um, workshop based than our yeah. usual tours, I think. Yeah. 
because yeah, you, you don't want to miss moments <laughs> over there. Um, and if we're combining something that they already do very, very well on their own, if we're going to be jumping on board, then, mm. you know, we'd obviously be wanting to, to jump on board with, with, with a good, a good proposition of what we're going to add to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I would love to do that because, yeah, chasing those storms over there is just such an incredible experience. Um, so I suppose that almost leads into a question you talked before about, like, competitions and, you know, people who are judging on them and they're just basically just judging their mates rather than, you know, there's bias and whatever. Yeah. What do you see by way of collaboration with other photographers in the space? Is it very much a dog-eat-dog world or is this, like, is there opportunities, <laughs> do you think, of... Of um of working with other people for the greater good, yeah. Well, <laughs> the answer sits on both sides of that. It's mm. it's a schoolyard out there, mate. Like <laughs> the the bitchiness and the underhanded shit that goes on mm. between photographers is is just you know people trampling all over other people, um, or going out of their way to try and bring other people down in order to put themselves in a better position, and it's not. You know, it's not it's not with every photographer out yeah, there. Yeah. There are there are certain photographers that that bring down um the I guess the vibe of the uh the industry overall with that kind of stuff, and a lot of it has been born out of this this race for social media fame. Yeah. Like social media has has made it so much more competitive and brought out those really shitty elements in people. But um, yeah, I mean, I I I did. I did previously really, really, and I still do enjoy shooting on my own because yeah. I can do things at my own pace and yeah, so yeah, forth. Yeah, but I did read an article, uh, read it. I can't remember if it was an article or a podcast with another photographer, and one of their their top tips was to get out there and shoot with other people as much as possible, and that that's changed my perspective on it uh, right. a little bit. Um, and and it's sort of and I have found that by embracing the opportunities to go out and shoot with other people, it's improved my photography um, because. You're learning from each other. You learn from each other. There are there are you know there are ways to to do things in the photography world that you might not have even even considered before. Um, and it yeah it's 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 great for your knowledge. It's also it's also great great for networking as well. Yeah, Through them you meet other photographers. You know there are photographers out there that I I really don't dig their photography, but I I like them as a person. Yeah. There are other people out there that I'd love to go and shoot with because I think. Their photography is very much aligned with yeah. with with mine, yeah. um, and and for those reasons, yeah. Um, but yeah, getting out and shooting with other people and collaborating with other people. I mean, I suppose you could call this the Explore Photography Tours thing a a collaboration of sorts. Yeah, um, but and for social media as well. If you go out there and and you're out shooting with with other photographers as well, and you cross promote each other on Instagram stories or when you're posting a photo to Instagram say I was out there shooting with you know blah 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 mm. then you're you're using the power of both of your audiences to potentially reach new people um so yeah there are a lot of positive things to be said about collaborating with other photographers um and I suppose it's just it's the same as that you know that roller coaster overall like don't don't let the negative aspects of other photographers that might try and bring you down don't let that affect your enjoyment of photography and of the things that you're out there shooting as well but um, something i've been learning about recently and a, and a customer of mine said to me the other way he's we were walking uh in lerderberg and he's, he mentioned this the 80 20 rule right so yeah. which covers as we as i discovered over the day can cover a lot of things but i'm thinking from your situation 
and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's probably 20% of the industry are those sorts of people who are doing the wrong thing by yeah. each other and trampling it. Whereas the 80%, which you'd rather focus on, are all in it for the right reasons. Yep. If they are collaborating with people, everyone's winning out of it. Like I look at it, you know, you might do your outdoor photography, but there's someone who's like a, uh, a dog photographer, for example, right? Yep. So two different worlds, yeah. but it's still under the same branch. If you guys are working together, your brand and what you're doing filters into their community. Their stuff filters into your community. There's a bit of cross-promotion. Someone who's a dog photographer but has a bit of an interest in the outdoors as well then sort of latches onto you, might then become part of one of your workshops, they might yep. then come to CM Reap or, or Bali. Absolutely. And vice versa. And someone who has, who's in your world has a bit of, you know, uh, wants to start doing a little bit more dog photography because they've got this bloody poodle thing they want to take more photos on. Yeah. Then gets into that other person's world, maybe goes on one of their, if they're running um, workshops or whatever, then everyone wins. Yeah, You absolutely. might not get anything out of that, but you've actually helped someone get a bit more business. Which 100%. then, if they're a good person, they're going to repay the, fa- the, the, the favour somewhere down the yeah, line. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not, I suppose, to, to bring it back to the conservation thing as well, another yeah, yeah. thing that just popped into my head yeah. uh, in relation, well, the, the 20%, and it probably is about the 20%, I'd say, that yeah, are doing the right minority. thing versus doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't just come down to how they're treating other photographers as yep. well. It comes down to how they go about what they do as well. So to tie that back to the conservation thing, you know, there are... If, if I know that there are photographers out there that are, that are um, putting themselves in stupid situations just to get the shot or disrespecting the environment that they're shooting in in order to get that shot, and a lot of the times it's very, very easily, easy to tell. If you go to a place and you consider a, a photo that another person has, has taken from that place and you can see that they would have had to just trample the shit out of all of the undergrowth to go and get to that point and you can see that the undergrowth is trampled there then that's not a person that I would want to align myself with. So you align yourself with people that I suppose have similar values to you in relation to in relation to photography as well. So yeah, I mean, you can collaborate with people that might do a completely different style of photography um, or they might have, I mean, a guy that I can think of straight away, I've never been out to shoot with him, is a guy called Nate Hill and he, he combines elements of, of landscape photography with um I suppose surrealism and stuff mm. like that and he's a digital artist and he's very very good but the the message that he's out there trying to communicate through his digital artwork is I suppose similar to the message that I'm trying to communicate yeah, cool. through my photography um and and therefore even though the the, the style and the result is they're com- completely different worlds um the values are somewhat aligned right yeah is he up in Brisbane no I think he's Melbourne in Melbourne pretty yeah, sure he's right. Melbourne okay. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. All right, so we'll wrap up. So someone who's li- who might be listening to this podcast has just bought a DSLR or they don't want to get into that world but they've just got their smartphone. Yep. What's, uh, you know, a piece of advice you could impart to them as they're starting to get into it? Like what, what, should, what should they be doing? I know we touched on composition. I'll go, I'll, I'll go, I'll go for two. Yep. The first one is is get out there. <laughs> just just do it. Take photos. I'm yeah. also not affiliated with Nike. No. Um, but no, seriously, just just do it. Like the amount of times that I've been sitting around here at home and I've looked outside and gone, yeah, the sunset might actually go off tonight. Mm. Well, it might not go off, but if I'm sitting on my ass on the couch, uh, there's zero chance that I'm going to get a, a photo of a really nice sunset. Yeah. If you If you go out there and you put yourself in a position 
to be able to to get a, to shoot a good sunset and it doesn't happen what a, what a, what have you lost like you've you've been out in a nice place and and it didn't go the way you planned but you've spent time outdoors and and you know that's that's better than sitting on your ass as far as I'm concerned but yeah like Absolutely. if if you if you're out there then you have a chance of capturing something good you have zero chance of capturing something good if you're not out there and yeah. I think and look I don't I don't always uh, you know going back to the it's great to give sound advice to other people but I don't always take it myself yeah. um yeah I'm guilty of doing that a lot but every single time that I've been out there and seen something good and I've consciously made that decision to get out there rather than sitting on my ass I kick myself so hard for not having done that every single time mm. um I suppose the, the other thing on the <clears throat> on the flip side of that is is don't don't spend too much time you know ruining over your missed opportunities mm. like there'll, there'll be it's pretty easy to get really annoyed <clears throat> seeing a nice sunset out there and you're stuck doing something else There'll be other opportunities. Don't let that ruin your enjoyment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Third one, don't let social media ruin your enjoyment of stuff as well. Do what you do. Work out what your purpose is behind doing what you do. Why do you enjoy it? Why do you love it? Use social media to get it to a broader audience, but don't give a shit about what everybody else is doing and yeah. don't right. don't let it ruin your enjoyment. Um, from a technical aspect, yeah. and I and I'll we'll we'll bring that one into it again composition 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 if you if you nail composition then you can use any tool whether it's a dslr or a smartphone um to to you know you can learn the technical aspects of them um it's it's very difficult to be motivated to to learn more about the technical aspects and what you're able to achieve if if what you're looking at what you've created is you know, it doesn't, doesn't make you happy to yep. begin with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, get, get your composition, right. Learn, learn how to compose nice photos and then work, join all the rest of the technical dots from there. Okay, um, so that's a good base to work on. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And there's, and, and yeah, there's, there's no shame in, in starting out using auto and, 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 and working You've out. You've all been there, right? Yeah. yeah. Work, work out what, what the camera did yep. when it was using auto and, and join the dots that way. Yeah, um, I suppose another one in relation, relation to the technical aspect is use, use YouTube, yeah. <laughs> get on YouTube, just chuck in what it is that you want to learn. And I guarantee you there is somebody that has made a tutorial about Absolutely. it. I've learned so much. And even it's just like, sometimes it's just tiny things like where the hell does that setting exist yep. on my camera? How do I change that setting? And someone has done it on YouTube. I've learned a lot about that with my, with my Nikon and specifically for that camera, how do I do this with this camera? And then there'll be a video or there'll be something out there that's just a quick tutorial and they're great. Like Google and YouTube should be your best friend, I, I would have thought. So Yeah. yeah. Nice. All right, where can we find you on social media, websites? What are your handles? Uh, okay, so well on Facebook, it's it's Rob Embry, Pale Blue Dot Photography. Yes. Um, if you're using just the URL link on Facebook, yep. it's it's just pale blue dot photography. Easy. Yep. There are other pale blue dot photographies out there, which is why I connected my name to mine. Yes. Um, on Instagram, it's Rob underscore pale blue dot photography. Yeah. yeah. No worries, mate. Well, look, thank you very much for coming on. Finally got a hold of you. I know. I think it's, it's been very. Good. It's been good, mate. <laughs> but I think it's really important to 
you know, to have a chat about these sort of things because as yeah. I've always maintained, I think I said at the start, like photography and hiking seem to go hand in hand. Absolutely. I never thought I'd get this hardcore into it myself and I've only just really started scratching the surface. Yeah. But even just sitting here now for the last hour, listening to you talk about all the different aspects of it, I've learned so much and obviously the whole composition thing is really like drilled into my head now. So I totally, yeah. I'll probably go home and just try some stuff out and see what I can do with it. I suppose and, we could delve even deeper in relation oh, to, you know, like how it relates specifically to, to hiking as yeah. well from a photography sense. But, you know, we've obviously talked about hopefully collaborating um, with, with some, some hiking slash photography workshop tours in the future Absolutely. and I reckon that'll be awesome yeah Absolutely, mate. well as I said thank you very much for coming on and uh, yeah that was episode 21 of the Pursuit of the Outdoors podcast uh, you can follow us on uh, Instagram and Facebook at the Hiking Society um, we'll have this up on, uh, on the website but also on Apple Podcasts and all relevant podcast platforms whichever one you might be on so thank you very much and we'll see you again next time